The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the executive minister and senior assistant minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the senior minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. We're in the midst of of a series titled Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And I've had a great time teaching this book. I hope that you are benefiting from it. And I hope that you are utilizing some of the teachings and the principles that are taught in the book so you can create greater prosperity in your own life. Now, um, the book was written by T. Harv Ecker, and I'm highly recommending that you actually buy the book, not just listen to the podcast, because I'm not going to cover every point. And more importantly, when you have an opportunity to go back, read, reflect, pray on a subject, the subject will reveal itself in a deeper way, you know. As, men, as a minister, I always say to people, the more you read a book, the more you'll discover things that you didn't see before. And, you know, my personal motto is you haven't really read a book until you've read it three times. That's just my own personal belief. But anyway, I'm going directly to wealth file number three, which is on page 137. And it is rich people focus on their net worth. Poor people focus on their working income. Now, again, he's making a contrast because it's necessary to point out what, well, how do I want to say this? He wants to point out the contrast in the way of thinking, not people. Again, he's not doing uh, an evaluation on the value of human beings. He's only talking about thinking. So he goes on to write, when it comes to money, people in our society typically ask, how much do you make? Seldom do you hear, what is your net worth? People talk this way, except, of course, at the country club. In the country club, the financial discussion always centers around net worth. Jim sold his stock options. He's worth over $3 million. Paul's company just went public. He's worth $8 million. Sue just sold her business. She's now worth $12 million. At the country club, you're not going to hear, hey, did you hear Joe got a raise? Yeah, and the 2% cost of living allowance to boot. If you did hear that, you know you're listening to a guest for the day. Now, he's talking about literally the conversation or the conversations that people of wealth have. You know, he's not saying, you know, I got an extra dollar per hour. That's not a wealthy person's conversation. Um, it's not a wealthy person's conversation to to talk in those ways. When you start talking about building wealth, 
they're talking about net worth, not uh, um, I don't want to step into that. Let me leave that alone. Anyway, he goes on to say on page 138, the true measure of wealth is net worth, not working income. Always has been, always will be. Net worth is the financial value of everything you own. To determine your net worth, add up the value of everything you own, including your cash and investments, such as stocks, bonds, real estate, the current value of your business if you own one, the value of your residence if you own it, and then subtract everything you owe. Net worth is the ultimate measure of wealth because, if necessary, what you own can eventually be liquidated into cash. Now, that's key. So, it's important to understand this because sometimes people will make a lot of money, but they don't have good net worth. You know, I was I was watching uh, something. I can't remember what it was. And it was a guy that was talking about a banker, or it might have been a banker. And one of the things that he said that I thought was really interesting was people who get their financial lives out of order. So he was talking about people who come in wanting um, loans for a home. And then when they look at their financial statement or you know debts that are old they'll discover that they have a very high expensive luxury car and he said that it makes a banker pause when you buy a car that's exceptionally expensive before you buy a house so I'm not saying what a person should or shouldn't do. So let me just make sure that you know that I'm not making a judgment on this. What I am doing is bringing it as an evaluation of wisdom. So based upon what this banker said. So the banker basically was saying, you know, if you have the, you know, 100 grand BMW, this he didn't use that term. That's me using that or Mercedes or whatever. And you have to choose between paying your mortgage and paying your car note. Obviously, having the $100,000 BMW matters more. So he was basically saying, you know, that would make a banker say, hey, wait a minute. This person, you know, got this before they got that. Let me make sure that they have a willingness that if rubber hits the road, that they're going to pay the loan for potentially a three hundred. dollars four hundred thousand dollar loan before they actually uh you know the payments on a three or four hundred thousand dollar loan or more before they actually pay their car note it's, it's just an interesting uh perspective so i remember watching and it was like huh i hadn't thought about that perspective but then it took me back to dave ramsey talking about how as a young man who ended up going bankrupt when when the when he had so many real estate things going on and he got beyond his means to handle and then, and then the economy took a hit and the banks wanted to get all their money back from the different loans they had with their customers. And he had to, uh, basically, he basically went through financial collapse and he talks about having a Jaguar, Jaguar car, 
sports car and not being able to put gas in it. So you looked apart, but you really don't have any net worth. That's my point. So he says that, so going back to the book, he talks about four network factors there on page 139. He says income, savings, investment, simplification. Income, savings, investments, simplification. Now, moving on, he said that income comes in two forms, working income and passive income. Working income is the money earned from active work. This includes a paycheck from a day-to-day job or for an entrepreneur, the profits or income taken from a business. Working income requires that you are investing your own time and labor to earn money. Working income is important because without it, it is almost impossible to address the other three network factors. So in other words, it's, it's the way that you work it. Now, this is this is this is kind of funny because I was just I just saw something I think on Instagram the other day about from Damon John, the guy who made uh, I believe it was FUBU and he was he's on the Shark Tank now on ABC. And he was talking about how he was working at Red Lobster for several years while he was running FUBU. So he would work a full time job. He would make his thirty thousand dollars a year. Working at Red Lobster, he had, you know, his, you know, some, you know, some health insurance, a few benefits, and this allowed him basically at night and on the weekends to just make FUBU work because sometimes people are just like, okay, I'm just going to quit my job and jump right into the business and they don't have a plan to grow it properly. So he wasn't saying don't quit your job. What he was saying was leverage your job till you're able to quit it because he said that the the time that the time I can't remember the amount of years, it might have been four or five years while he was working at Red Lobster while he was actually running FUBU. He said that he would have to generate the two hundred thousand dollars he made in the job, he would have had to sell two million dollars worth of clothes to generate that same amount of money. Now why is that important? You know, he he had to still be able to take care of his family, his own responsibilities and things of that nature. So as he was growing the business, he was using his workable or working income to to give him um, a net to be able to do work his business. So the business became his net. You know, we tight like a tightrope or um flying trapeze, you know, people, they have a net underneath them so they just don't fall bottom out. Okay, now, the book goes on to say on page 139, working income is how we fill our financial funnel, so to speak. All things being equal, the more working income you earn, the more you can save and invest. Although working income is critical, again, it is only valuable as a part of the entire net worth equation. All right. So he's basically saying it should not be the only way you make money. It should not be the only way you bring in income. So he goes on to say, unfortunately, poor and middle class people focus exclusively on working income out of the four factors. Consequently, they end up with a low or no net worth. Also, as Robert Kiyosaki talks about in Rich Dad, Poor Dad and in the book, The Cash Flow Quadrant. 
when you just use working income. That's taxed at the highest rate. So even if you're making it, it's going to be highly taxed. All right, back to the book. Passive income is money earned without you actively working. Um, and we need to be mindful of figuring out ways to get passive income. You know, let me just add that the 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 one uh, qualifier. Please make it legal. And I'm saying that intentionally because you just never know who's listening. Legal passive income. Saving, he goes on to say, page 139, is also imperative. You can earn wise of money, but if you do not keep any of it, you will never create wealth. Many people have a financial blueprint that is wired for spending. Whatever money they have, they spend. They choose immediate gratification over long-term balance. Spenders have three models. The first model is it's only money. Therefore, money is something they don't have much of. The second model is what goes around comes around. At least they hope because the third model is, sorry, I, I can't right now. I'm broke. So obviously that's the last one was a joke and true. Without creating income to fill the funnel and savings to keep it there, it's impossible to address the next net worth factor. So let me just stop here for a moment because this goes back to one of the things that Dave Ramsey talks about. You know, when he does his seven baby steps for financial peace, he talks about just right off the bat that the average American doesn't even have a thousand dollars for an emergency fund and, and some type of savings or something that they can access as cash immediately. So, you know, when when people ask him, well, you know, shouldn't you pay off your debt first? He's like, no, just get a one thousand dollar emergency fund. It's psycho it's there for your psychology. And then once you pay your debt off, then you build up three to six months of an emergency fund. So if 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 everything goes wrong in life, between three to six months, whatever makes you more comfortable, you have that much money to be able to pay your mortgage or your rent, pay all your utilities, be able to pay your car note if you still, well, you wouldn't have a car note in his system. You would have paid that off already. Uh, your food, living expenses, et cetera, et cetera. Now, why is that important? Because it builds up a consciousness of security. And you can read more about his baby steps and, you know, just go to his website. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, him personally, so I don't get any money from promoting his stuff. I just know that a system that has helped millions of people is worth spreading and letting people know about it. Anyway, the issue is... If you make it and you can't save it, then what are you doing? Then he goes on to say, once you begin saving a decent portion of your income, then you can move to the next stage and make your money grow through investing. Generally, the better you are at investing, the faster your money will grow and generate a greater net worth. Rich people take the time and energy to learn about investing and investments. They pride themselves on being excellent investors or at least hiring excellent investors to invest for them. Poor people think investing is only for rich people, so they never learn about it and stay broke. Again, every part of the equation is important. You know, I thought about this the other day when I was thinking about this Popeye's chicken challenge, where all these people are running to, to find out if Chick-fil-A or Popeye's has the better chicken sandwich. And I was like, what if those people were just enthusiastic about 
investing in Popeyes or Chick-fil-A as they are about buying the chicken or while people are standing out in lines at six o'clock in the morning to buy some retro Air Jordans that they would just invest in Nike. Find out how much it costs to get a few, uh, you know, some stock in Nike and just buy some, even if it's starting small and just buy some. Because if you're a consumer, the word consume, consumer comes from the word consume, means to eat up. When something is consumed, is 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 literally destroyed. It no longer exists. If you had a piece of, if you had a hamburger and you consume the hamburger, the hamburger is gone. But when you're a producer, you find ways to take create and create more out of either nothing or something. So part of developing a wealth consciousness is learning how to become a producer. Whether you're at your business or you own or you own your own business or you're an employee. What are you producing? Because if you can produce, you can gain wealth. And when it comes to investing, again, yet again, being clear and, and doing your homework and things of that nature. Uh, Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins wrote his last two books have just been on financial investment, the psychology and actual strategies of it. So these are things that you can take a look at as well and find out what, what the experts are doing. You know, with the Internet, the world is at your fingertips. Find out what people are doing. Find out how people are investing their money. Index funds, mutual funds, you know, 401ks and 403bs and, and you know, IRAs and Roth IRAs and things of that nature. Find out what people are doing. And then do it. Because if you're going to have wealth, please believe that you have to invest to truly be wealthy because you know you can build you can have the greatest business and your business can be wealth and then like for instance you know Apple was a company that started and they had public investors and et cetera so even if you're the business owner or you're the investor when you understand this game you're able to gain more wealth all right he goes on to say, our fourth network factor may well be the dark horse of the bunch because few people recognize its importance in creating, creating wealth. This is the factor of simplification. It goes hand in hand with saving money, whereby you consciously create a lifestyle in which you need less money to live on. By decreasing your cost of living, you increase your savings and amount of funds available for investing. So. This is something that's really going on uh, a lot. It's a group, and I can't remember the name of the group now. It's spreading all online about people who have figured out how to, you know, live on the on the minimum amount they need, and they invest a lot early on in life, and they create through their investment the ability according to the strategy at least, to be able to retire by their mid-40s. 
low, early, sometimes by 40. I mean, these these guys, I've seen them on the internet and I've researched some of the stuff, but I don't want to say the name and mess it up. But, but, but they are exceptionally hungry about producing wealth as fast as possible so they can retire early. And what they do is, okay, once they get a general income level, they allow their investments, they allow their passive income to actually be all the money that they get and then they retire and they live off of it. And they might not be living in Beverly Hills, but they're living a what you would call a very comfortable middle-class lifestyle by going all out early. So they consider themselves wealthy because they created a lifestyle that's sustainable, that's nowhere near poor. Uh, so it's just different strategies in doing things. And you can take a look at it yourself. Anyway, he goes on to say, to illustrate the power of simplification, here's a story of one of our Millionaire Mind participants. When Sue was only 23, she made a wise choice. She purchased a home. She made, she paid just under 300000 at the time. Seven, seven years later, in the sizzling hot market, Sue sold her home for over 600000 meaning she profited over 300000 she considered buying a new home, but after attending the Millionaire Mind Intensive, she recognized that she invested her money in a secured, in a secure second mortgage at a 10% interest and simplified her lifestyle. She could actually be quite comfortable living on the earnings from her investments and never, and not have to work ever again. Instead of purchasing a new home, she moved in with her sister. Now at 30 years of age, Sue is financially free. She won her independence not through earning a ton of money, but by consciously scaling back her personal overhead. Yes, she still works because she enjoys it, but she doesn't have to. In fact, she only works six months of the year. The rest of the time she spends in Fiji. First, because she loves it. And second, she says her money goes even further there. So that's just another way of looking at it. Again, income, savings, investments, simplification. It's going right back to the same stuff over and over again. Same stuff over and over again. And just being mindful of that. So, back to the book. The question is, so what will it take you for you to be happily financially? What will it take for you to be happy financially? That's a good question. Because that determines the amount of working income you have to achieve, passive income, savings, investments, and simplification. He says, if you need to live in a mansion, have three vacation homes, own 10 cars, take annual trips around the world, eat caviar and drink the finest champagne to enjoy your life, that's fine. But recognize you set your bar pretty darn high and it may take you a long, long time to get to a point where you're happy. Now notice what he said, where you're happy. What will it take for you to be happy financially? On the other hand, if you don't need all the toys to be happy, you'll probably reach your financial goal a lot sooner. Again, building your net worth is a part is a four-part equation. As an analogy, imagine driving a bus with four wheels. What would the ride be like if you were driving only on one wheel only? Probably slow, bumpy, full of struggle, sparks, and, go, and going in circles. Does that sound familiar? Rich people play the money game on all four wheels. That's why their ride is fast, smooth, direct, 
and relatively easy. That's key. Rich people play the money game on all four wheels. What are all four wheels? Yet again, income, savings, investment, simplification. They're real clear. All right. She goes on to say, and we're getting close, I believe, to our um, to our um, break time, I believe. Uh, poor and middle class people play the money game only on one wheel. They believe that the only way to get rich is earn a lot of money. They believe that only because they've never been there. They don't understand Parkinson's law, which states expenses will always rise in direct proportion to income. Now, many of us can say that we know this to be factual, that there are times when we made more and more income and we was like, you know, we were like, OK, I can afford that now. I can buy that now. And instead of saying, let me invest this money, this extra income, let me start a second business. Let me create an emergency emergency fund or anything of that nature or live at the same level while we're stacking up income or you know to save it or invest it we just say okay i'm making three hundred dollars more a month i'm i'm going to figure out a way to spend it i'm making five hundred dollars more a month i'm gonna figure out a way to spend it i'm making a thousand dollars more a month i'm gonna figure out a way to spend it i'm making two thousand dollars more a month i'm gonna figure out a way to spend it we always start to look at how to spend what we have we have to be mindful of that. We have to be mindful of that. You know. So just be mindful that when you are working on developing income, this wealth file is one of the most important. This wealth file number 13, rich people focus on net worth, poor people focus on working income. This is one of the most important chapters in the book, without a doubt. So um, just be mindful of that. This is a chapter I think you should, I'm, I'm not chapter, wealth file that I think you should read over and over again. So, you know, just keep that in mind. So anyway, we're about to take our break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm going to give my quick commercial. So remember that this show, along with all the shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give. My request is that you go to UnityOnlineRadio.org or the shortcut, Unity.fm, and click on the Donate button and help support this online ministry so it can continue to go around the world helping people 
learn how to live better lives. Also, I uh, want to remind you that the Christ Universal Temple has a digital app, which is Christ Universal Digital. It's available in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. You can uh, also watch our live stream through the app or through the live stream is also available on YouTube under our YouTube channel, CU Temple, or on our website, which is www.cutemple.org. CU, the word temple, and .org. And the service is from 10.30 a.m. until 12 p.m. Central Time. Also, on the our, on the app is our Coleman Archives for the simple price of $4.97 a month, $4.97. You can get access to the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman's uh, classic sermon archives. So that's something you definitely want to check out, make sure that you get and, and handle, etc. So I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we got this quick commercial out of the way. If you do want, want to call in and ask me a question, you can call in at 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. I love questions, and your question might help another person, so please be mindful of that. All right? God bless. All right, so we're going to get back to it and do what we got to do. So anyway, as I was saying, we are now working with a different type of psychology. When you start thinking about this wealth file, number 13, income, savings, investments, and simplification, ask yourself, where am I when it comes to those four drivers of wealth? All right. So he goes on to say on page 142, this book is called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Millionaire refers to does millionaire refer to income or net worth? Net worth. Therefore, if your int intention is to be a millionaire or more, you must focus on building your net worth, which, as we've discussed, is based on much more than just your income. Make it a policy to know your net worth to the penny. I'm going to repeat it again. Make it a policy to know your net worth to the penny. Make it a policy to know your net worth to the penny. All right. Again, it just goes along with a metaphysical metaphysical principle. Where your attention goes, the power flows. So when you don't pay enough attention to your financial freedom, then how can you expect yourself to be financially free? So he wrote. He goes on to write on page 142 and 143. Take a blank sheet of paper and title it net worth. Then create a simple chart that begins with zeros and ends with whatever net your net worth objective is. Note your current net worth as it is today. Then every 90 days, enter your new net worth. That's it. If you do this, you will find yourself getting richer and richer. Why? Because you are tracking your net worth. And he goes on to say what I just basically said. Remember, what you focus on expands. So he's basically saying that you should be checking your net worth, and I would say minimally, every 90 days. Like literally, how much am I worth? 
and be clear. And you say, well, you know, that's a lot of st- work. And it's a, you know, I got to go through all this information and mortgage this and business that and taxes this and whatever. But you have to ask yourself the question, do you want to be rich? Because a rich person understands their net worth. When you look up Forbes magazines, the richest people in the world, again, that is a net worth uh, um, uh, conversation, not a conversation around, uh, you know, it's too many moving parts and I don't, you know, I don't want to do it. Most of us only have working income you know, some savings and investments, not even a situation, a circumstance where we got to balance out several businesses, et cetera, et cetera. So it just goes down to doing it. Let me just say this to you in a real way. How much time do you spend daily on your cell phone? Not working. I'm talking about just scrolling social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. How much time? Add it up daily. I'm not even talking about, you know, your emails for work or phones, whatever. How much time you spend texting randomness or just on the phone with randomness? How much time do you are watching Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, you know, or, you know, or cable on your phone? Then ask yourself, how much time do you spend watching TV? If you added up that those hours daily and then looked at it weekly, then looked at it monthly, you can't say to me legitimately that you have no time to figure out your net worth and do it, I would say, monthly. He's saying every 90 days. But there's no reason why you couldn't do it. When you look up, if you just cut your phone time in half, not even your TV time, because everybody says, "Well, I don't watch a lot of TV," but you know, but that phone, you—if you want to have a conversation around wealth, you have to know your net worth. You have to know what you owe, what you have. You have to know what type of investments, what type of income are you bringing in. To the letter. Let me give you an example. If you have online access to your bank account, and if you don't, I would uh, just suggest it. I'll just leave it at, at that. We, but if you don't, and you get your bank statements in the in the mail instead of using like a bank app or having you know bank statements, you know where you can go into the website or whatever, or have them emailed to you. Different people do different things. I like the app. Reason why I like the app is simple because it's quick. It's on my phone, and one of the things that I can do is when I'm being unconscious, or like I'm buying this, I'm buying this, whatever, etc., and I'm using my card to do it, debit card or whatever, or I'm going to the cash station and getting money to get cash. What I can do is I can take a look at a whole month. Where did my money go? And be very clear. 
Because sometimes you're just unconscious. You spend a little here, a little there, a little there, 20 here, 40 there, 60 there, 80 there. Oh, let me take this $100 out the uh, whatever, et cetera. And you'll look up and say, wow, where did my money go? So what I'm saying to you is just on a monthly basis, and I think you'll 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 just start discovering, okay, where write down literally on a piece of paper, where did my money go? And then write a list, write down the line. Took this money out in cash station, took this whatever, whatever. Now you might not be able to say I did this with this cash. If you can remember, do it. But if not, if not, I wrote this check. I used this, I used that. If it comes out of your account, you should know where it goes and what it's being used for. So what I'm saying is become conscious about your money. Again, we're talking about building a prosperity consciousness. And again, what you focus on expands. He says it this way, page 143. By tracking your worth, you are focusing on it. And because what you focus on expands, your net worth will expand. By the way, this law goes for every other part of your life. What you track increases. What you track increases. I know some people who wear either with their eye watch or those fit bands that can tell you how many steps they take every day. It matters to them. I got to get my whatever amount of steps they have to have for that day that they've made as a goal. They make sure that, that they do it. All right. He says, to that end, I encourage you to find and work with a good financial planner. These professionals can help you track and build your net worth. They will assist you in organizing your finances and introduce you to a variety of vehicles for saving and growing your money. Now, that's up for you to do your own research on to make sure that you're not getting, as Tony Robbins would say, um, overwhelmed with uh, fees that you don't see where you don't end up getting the money that you deserve. He goes on to say, a good planner can provide you with the tools, software, knowledge, and recommendation to help you build the kind of investing habits that will produce wealth. Produce wealth. He said, generally, I recommend finding a planner who works with an array of financial products rather than just insurance or just mutual funds. And that way you can find out about a variety of options then decide was right for you. This is key. So, again, you're making a conscious choice about your money, where it goes, what you're doing, where it goes, what you're doing, where it goes, what you're doing. So, moving on to wealth file number 14. Rich people manage their money well. Poor people mismanage their money well. He goes on to say that Thomas Stanley, in his best-selling book, The Millionaire Next Door, surveyed millionaires from across North America and reported on who they are and how they attain attain their wealth. The re- results can be summarized in one short sentence. Rich people are good at managing their money. Rich people manage their money well. Poor people mismanage their money. Again, talking about generalities. And again, being mindful of he's not talking about the value of human beings. He's just talking about the psychology of wealth. Now, if you read the book, 
the millionaire next door, what you'll discover is the majority of millionaires in the United States are not big business people. They're people who have figured out how to maximize their working income, passive income. They figured out how to live below their means. They figured out how to invest well. Overwhelmingly, the millionaires and the millionaire next door would not be noticeable to the average person. In other words, the millionaires in North America are not flashy people. That's key because you wouldn't even notice a Sam Walton driving his pickup truck. In other words, most millionaires are not driving the most expensive cars. Most millionaires are not living in the largest homes. Most millionaires are, are not in their, you know, 100, you know, 100 uh, foot yacht or 200 foot yacht. I'm just talking about the millionaire next door. I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. I'm saying that most people would not realize that the average millionaire doesn't even live in the highest uh, uh, or what's considered the best neighborhood in their town. So they have, and if they do live in the best neighborhood in that town, they don't have the biggest house in that area. Uh, I'm just talking facts. You can look it up. You can look up the millionaire next door yourself, and you'll be surprised to find out that the reason why they became millionaires is because they manage their money well. I can't emphasize that enough. They manage their money well. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about a gentleman who started in working for UPS as a driver in like 19, 20 years old or whatever. And this guy was worth so much money by the time he retired. It was unreal. He was a multi, 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 multi millionaire. Because when he started the job, they said to him, you know, you can get stock options in UPS. And as a young man, instead of, he, he, he had them take a certain amount of his income out and invest into the company. And then, of course, UPS blew up as a shipping company. And he would just have that money taken out, check after check, check after check, check after check. And he still, he liked driving UPS trucks, so he kept kept doing it. But here's the thing. He was exceptionally wealthy, but nobody would have ever known that the UPS driver was worth tens of millions of dollars. You just don't know. So ask yourself the question, why aren't you rich? If you feel as though you're highly skilled, more skilled than the people that are around you normally, if you're the go-to person, in other words, you're the person that people go to to get stuff fixed, to get stuff handled, to solve the problems, etc. If you have the know-how and the understanding to be exceptional and to be elite in your field, then why aren't you rich? Now, you can say it's a lot of factors. And I'm sure it is. But one of those factors will be managing money. Because, again, one of the things that Thomas Stanley wrote in The Millionaire Mind is 
millionaires will live under their means because if you live over your means, you're you you can never, you know, build wealth. There's no way, no how. No way, no how. Just think about it. No way, no how. So, moving on. He goes on to say, wealthy people, page 145, are not smarter than poor people. They just have different and more supportive money habits. So he goes on to say, so first, if you're not managing your money properly, you are probably programmed not to manage money. And what I mean programmed, or what he means by programmed, means that you were never taught. And the examples we were, you, were shown growing up never worked around handling money properly. Second, there's a be, there's a better than a good chance that you don't know how to manage your money in a way that's easy and effective. He says, I don't know about you, but when I went to school, money management 101 wasn't offered. Instead, we learned about the War of 1812, which, of course, is something I use every single day. That's sarcasm, obviously. So when you go to the average school system in the United States, I can't speak about other places, what they don't teach you about is money. They don't teach you about saving, investing, debt, taxes, anything that will help you be empowered. But you'll learn about a lot of stuff that you won't ever use again. And I get that they say, okay, we got to spread this general knowledge out and everybody has a claim in what they think a person should learn or not. But considering that a person will can literally work from age 16 until they literally physically die, make their transition, it is criminal, in my opinion, not to have basic financial education in the school curriculum. It's criminal. It's criminal because... It's creating people to be slaves to the system because what you don't know matters. Ignorance is not bliss. People walk right out of high school into massive credit card debt. People walk right into college and leave college with massive student loan debt. People are uh, don't understand the basics of living below your means and why that matters and not spending every dollar or as my grandmother used to say stop uh stop stop wearing every dollar you make on your back in other words you know you look the part but you really don't have any money people don't understand the basics of 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 real estate and things that and I mean you have to be a real estate investor but you need to understand what it means to own something is not taught. People don't know what it means to develop wealth. And then you have people who are teaching, like I, I was listening to this video of Robert Kiyosaki, and he was saying that when he was in school taking for his MBA, that he was he was arguing consistently with the teacher because the teacher was a was a person who did not or never did own a business. So he's like, 
how are you teaching me about business and business accounting and marketing and things of that nature that I need to be able to run a successful business? And all you're doing is teaching me theory. You went to school, learned it, got out of school and started and, uh, teaching me. And you don't know if any of this stuff works. So his, and his argument was because he worked for his rich dad as, as, a, as a child that it was some things that didn't add up when it came to understanding business. You know, if if nothing else, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a book brought to the awareness of people that an asset is something that puts money in your pocket. Because people are like, well, my home is my asset. Yes, technically an asset. Even T. Harv Ecker says that. He says, but, but when you look at it as an asset from the standpoint of cash flow, then it's only asset when you sell it for profit. Now, if you didn't bring anything else to the conversation, you brought that to the conversation because people have to understand how am I putting money in my pocket? And that is something that is not taught in school. But you learn about some stuff or a lot of stuff that you'll never use again. But in a capitalistic country, not to learn about financial freedom, economics, basic accounting, if you learn all these other ways of doing math, but you don't learn basic economics, it's criminal. Absolutely criminal. And it will continue to create people who are in bondage instead of people who have financial freedom because everybody's not going to listen to a podcast like this or read a book like secrets of the millionaire mind or rich dad poor dad or follow dave ramsey's financial peace university or his total money makeover or Susie orman's this or whoever your financial guru is the real issue is you have to Take the responsibility of not only educating yourself, but acting on that education. You do. And you're not going to act if you don't change your psychology first. He says it this way, bottom of the page. Poor people either, page 145, poor people either mismanage their money or they avoid the subject altogether. Many people don't like to manage their money because first, they say it restricts their freedom, and second, they say they don't have enough money to manage. Well, I don't have enough money. How am I going to manage this? If you don't start managing it, managing it, you won't have any. He says, as for the first excuse, managing money does not restrict your freedom. To the contrary, it promotes it. we got to keep that in mind. And for those who use the I don't have enough money rationale, they're looking through the wrong end of the telescope. Rather, they say, when I have plenty of money, I'll begin to manage it. The reality is, when I begin to manage it, I'll have plenty of money. Saying I'll start managing my money as soon as I get caught up is like an overweight person saying, I'll start exercising and dieting as soon as I lose 20 pounds. I love that. I'm going to read that again. Saying I'll start managing my money as soon as I get it, as I get caught up, is like an overweight person saying, I'll start exercising and dieting as soon as I lose 20 pounds. It's putting the cart before the horse, which leads to going nowhere or even backwards. First, you start properly handling the money you have, and then you'll have more money to handle. 
Uh, boy, this stuff is so much good stuff in this. So he goes on talking about just even un- the universe. He says on page 147, we live in a kinding, loving universe, and the rule is until you can show you can handle what you've got, you won't get any more. Charles Fillmore basically, I think in the book Prosperity, he talked about you know giving your child $100 to go buy some candy at the store. If they don't have an awareness of what that $100 is, they'll throw it down, they'll give it away, they won't know what change to get, they won't whatever, because they don't have an awareness of what it means. And, you know, someone once wrote, a fool and his money shall soon part. If you don't know what you're doing, somebody who knows what they're doing will will get your money. That's just the way it works. Please be mindful of that. So he goes on to say, you must require the habits and skills of managing a small amount of money before you can have a large amount. Remember, we are creatures of habit. Therefore, the habit of managing your money is more important than the amount. I'm going to read that again because we, we have to close. You must acquire the habit and skills of managing a small amount of money before you can have a large amount. Remember, we're creatures of habit, and therefore, the habit of managing your money is more important than the amount. So we're going to pick up here next week and make sure we drill down on this. Make sure you read the book. You read the book. Do the exercise. Make sure you do that net worth exercise. That's your homework for this week. Do the network exercise. So, you know, we're wrapping up. Again, for those who are open to it, check out the live stream for Christ Universal Temple. I gave the information earlier. God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.